The Black Shoe Diaries podcast. Chris Grovich here, and our very special guest, who nobody has ever heard of before, um, Kevin Powers, who runs the site with me and everybody else, and people love and know him. And from Slow States and a million podcasts over there, and from SB Nation, where he dwells in a cubicle somewhere. I guess I don't know. What is it that you do? We uh, we don't have cubicles yet. We aspire to be the kind of office that can afford and work in cubicles, but. Um... Yeah, I add things up in Excel spreadsheets at SB Nation, which is a fantastic job. I love it over there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's good and, to uh, it's good to get back on this podcast train. Yeah, seriously, nice to talk to you again, old friend. Um, let's let's get in, get into the uh, Penn State season here. This is the preview for 2011 season. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows quite what to expect from this group. We put a poll up on the uh, on the website today, and as I'm looking at it right now, with 650 votes, 38% of our readers are saying the uh, team will go nine and three in the regular season, and um, there's a pretty even distribution between ten and two and eight and four, and I think that's what a lot of people, even who aren't fans of the program, sort of a, for, uh, sort of expect maybe more in the eight and four range, but. Um, we're going to try to take this apart piece by piece and, and give you a quick 20-minute preview. And we might as well start with the quarterbacks. Um, no starter as of this recording on Sunday night has been named. There are indications that there will be a split time, uh, at least in the first half, against Indiana State. And I don't think any time, no matter how it's divided up against Indiana State, makes a difference at all. Um, how do you see this shaking out? Um indications have been minimal from the coaching staff uh, as to uh, whether it's going to be Matt McGloin or Rob Bolden. Uh, who's your preferred guy in this scenario? You know, I, I don't have one. I've never, I, I mean, last year there were a lot of people arguing for, um, for different quarterbacks and every, you know, everyone said that the upside on Bolden was very high. And, you know, the, the one thing that when he got pulled in the, uh, in the Northwestern game last year, it was very clear that he did not have the pocket presence and kind of the, you know, he, as athletic as he was, and, you know, I won't say the name that we've kind of talked about this in the past, but as athletic as he was, he wasn't, he wasn't able to move around. He wasn't able to, I, I, I was totally fine pulling him. Um, he had the ill fortune of, of being the starter against much tougher defenses last year. McGloin came in and kind of got to, you know, warm himself warm himself up with with some lesser defenses, and and so I, I think in that sense, I I do feel like Bolden maybe was giving a little bit of an unfair rap, but at the same time, I mean, the the coaches are gonna just go off the information they have, and I don't think they did anything anything criminal in the, in their moves. So I, to me, I I'm ready now that they both settled in, they both you know have had a chance to kind of win the team over for a year. Um, 
I'm I'm fine with whichever quarterback is going to play the best. I, I get the sense that McGloin will probably be the quarterback this year. Um, I, agree, I agree with that. I, and I, I'm not. I, I just think he he's a little. Is he he might not ha- he might not be able to run the the forty as fast. He might not have the arm, but um, I just get the sense he's a little more in control. And I think Bolden could get there, but you know he is young and and you know Penn State's got to win now. They all they they're always they're always going to be in that situation. And I think with Ohio State down or potentially down, I, I don't think they're quite as beat up as everyone's senses they are um you got to just try to win as many games as possible and i don't think playing bolden for 2012 sake is is worth it and maybe that's not the case maybe he will be the better quarterback but it's just not the sense i get right now i've been of the opinion i've, I've stated this numerous times that uh due to the transfer drama that occurred after the bowl game and you know, joe patrona refusing the release of bolden to another program that if Bolden came back, he would have to very clearly outperform Matt McGloin in spring and fall camp in order to get the starting position. It yep. doesn't. It doesn't appear that he has done that. And it, it is kind of hard to deny that the team played very well, or at least much better offensively, with McGloin under center. And I think to a lot of people that support Matt McGloin, it doesn't matter what defenses that was against. But but we're talking about Minnesota, Northwestern, Michigan, Indiana. Like those are pretty much the four most awful defenses in the conference last year. I'm a bold. and Michigan is really where he won everyone over. Yeah, and that was that. That obviously anyone could have you and I could have won the fan base over against that Michigan defense. Yeah, Northwestern because of the uh, not nostalgia, but of, because of the uh, the landmark win for Joe Paterno. And Michigan as well. He played very well in that game. I'm a Bolden guy, but not by much. I'll say that. Um, I, I like Bolden because of the long-term aspect of it. I think it'd be nice to get a, a sophomore quarterback ramped up to speed so he's ready to roll, even if it's not, you know, still grow, even if it's still growing pains this season, to get him up to speed for junior year, senior year. Um but it, it's hard to deny McGloin's, you know, leadership abilities. The team seems to like him. Um, I don't know what effect it'll have on the uh, on the rest of the team that the coaching staff seems to be, you know, basically punting on this issue. If yeah, you, you know, I mean, to be fair to them, though, I it would be great to pick a guy, but. I mean, if if neither of them are asserting themselves, the way the schedule ramps, right? What are they supposed to do? You don't want to handicap yourself by by basically cutting your depth in half, you know, voluntarily. No, I get that, and I and and my only counter to that is I could see if they were planning to if it's that close between two different styles of quarterbacks, I could see playing them both. But it's not like Bolden is some sort of you know. Tony Rice or Major Harris or Cam Newton behind center. He's pretty much just a drop back quarterback. Right. And I, yeah, he I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they do enough things differently that it validates playing both of them. Yeah. And you know what, what's going to be really annoying about this is Indiana state is way too bad a football team to judge a quarterback on. Alabama will probably be way too good a defense to judge a quarterback on. It's almost. I was just going to say it's almost. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it's almost 
because Alabama is the second game and because Alabama is pretty much universally regarded as the best defense in the country, at least, you know, in this preseason sense, it almost benefits the guy who's number two to start the season in a way. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, it's, um, because after that it's Temple, Eastern Michigan and Indiana. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, there's a wide, wide range as wide as any team in the big 10 on Iowa and Purdue Northwestern. Yeah. I mean, Illinois, you look at the way the schedule goes. It's, you know, and I think people will be expecting more. Bolton got a hundred percent and deserved pass against Alabama last year for, you know, playing well, but throwing some, you know, making some bad decisions in the red zone. And he's not, yeah. I don't, I don't get the sense that he or McGuinn would, will get that pass this year if they, you know, put in the same performance, which might also still be unfair considering how good that defense is going to be. Right. Last year, essentially, it was dropping a mouse in, in a cage with a snake. Yeah, it was. That's exactly what it felt like. It was, uh, you know, and it was a no, it was a no lose situation too. I think everyone knew what was going on and, uh, it was very well publicized how old Bolden was last year when he was starting. Right. That was the storyline, the Penn State storyline last year. So. And and still did not play terribly. Between, no, I, between the 20s, it might have been least. his best game, to be honest with you. In, in a lot of ways, it could have been. Yeah, he, you know, North Northwestern caught something of, you know, of his that, you know, obviously the concussion, who knows what was going on there, but he, he really, something happened with Northwestern where they, you know, they were delaying, they were, they, they saw something and exploited it. So that game was on so the big we'll 10. See if, no, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, well, you know, we'll see how, how he picks up. I think Penn State's defense hopefully was good enough this year to, um, to at least, at least have the tape on him and, and kind of try to exploit those same things. The Northwestern game was on the big 10 network the other day. And looking at it now, people forget that Penn State was basically down, was it twenty one nothing in that game, or, or at least fourteen nothing? And in many ways, it, it wasn't just that Bolden had fumbled and, and didn't see a sack coming. It almost felt like because the entire team was playing so badly, it, it almost felt like a goalie change in in hockey, where you're just yeah. trying to spark the team by you know last resort. And it happened to work. Yeah. And, and just like, you know, when you pull, you you put in the backup goalie in the NHL playoffs and he wins a game, you leave him in a game. And then he wins again. Then you leave him in. And he wins again. And it just sort of built on itself to the point where, you know, he, he became the guy. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, like we were saying, they, they just appear to be teeing off on him. I don't, I don't know what it was. McGuinn is the exact kind of counterpunch to that, which is, you know, he might not throw 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 the balls nice, but he you know he was able to kind of counter whatever it was Fitzgerald was doing. So, and and like you said, I don't I don't think I think that's part of coaching is just kind of rolling the dice. Sure. And, you know that's a huge baseball thing too. You see that in baseball all the time. You know where you you pinch you pinch hit with a guy who is clearly not as good, or you know who knows why this guy went in. And you know you're just trying to kind of shake things up and get people to respond. Um, <laughs> And you got a lot of people to try to get to respond, you know, at one time on a football team. Also, bolting up very little help from his running game for the first five games or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He, he was getting almost nothing, even against teams like Temple and Kent State. He was getting very, very little. Um, but moving on from the quarterbacks, um, where essentially do you see this team going this year? I mean, given its obvious flaws, which are 
thin along the defensive line, not particularly good at defensive end. Who knows about the offensive line? And the rest of it seems pretty good. Yeah, I I, I feel like the base is really solidified. I, I, I don't know... I don't know that the ceiling has gotten any higher from last year, but I, I feel much more comfortable going into, you know, some of these these lesser opponents. I, I feel better about going up against Iowa and Michigan yeah. State. Um, the, the thing that, that really makes this less fun, not less fun. Oh, there's certainly. no Michigan State, by the way. Oh, yeah. Those I guess day, you're right. Those days are over. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot they, they, the land grant has been retired. They get to keep that piece of crap forever. <laughs> They really do get to keep it forever. By the time who by the time where they come back on the schedule, we'll, we'll have sixteen teams and have put them off for another four or five years. So, um, but that that level of of team really, I feel yeah, I feel better against where I don't feel any better is you know against the Ohio States against the Nebraskas, um, certainly this Alabama game. Um, I would I would love to win it, but I you know Penn State has never been one to to kind of, you know, they, they're going to play their game, and if their game isn't good enough, they aren't going to win. Yeah. Um, and you're Almost not going to... like uh, 2002, in that sense. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. And you just... Because they refuse to, to kind of come out with something radical, it, it's really hard, I think, to close that gap between, you know, the best teams in the league and where Penn State is now. So I, I just have a really hard time. And those four games... Um, you know, I think I'm, uh, Alabama, Nebraska, Ohio State, Wisconsin. You know, I, I just don't, I don't see them having whatever it is they need. And and the, the only caveat I'll say there is the blessing slash curse is that all those other than Alabama, obviously, those other ones are so late in the year mm-hmm. that you know between injuries to those teams and development on Penn State, it, it could be really really interesting. Yeah, and like you said, those four games stick out, and with three of them being at the very very end. Just looking at it, I mean, if Penn State, assume they lose to Alabama, which I think is is a safe assumption. Um, God knows we hope they don't. But those first nine games, eight of them are ridiculously winnable. Yep. Ridiculously winnable. We're talking Indiana State um, at Temple, which is going to be a home game, even if it's played on the moon. Uh, Eastern, <laughs> Eastern Michigan at Indiana, who's still going to stink. Iowa at home is going to be, you know, that that's going to be sort of the confidence builder or breaker for this team. It, it's been such a, an anchor on this team for pretty much as long as Kirk Ferentz has been there. Um, if they can get past Iowa, who's not supposed to be that good, they, they, they tend to do well when people aren't expecting much of them, but at the same time, people aren't really expecting much of them. And it's going to be a winnable game. Um, home against Purdue, they've already lost their starting quarterback to an ACL. I, I hesitate to mention them in fear that I might blow out my ACL. <laughs> At Northwestern, you know, Northwestern sort of a darling favorite of a lot of people, like they, they seem to be every single year. Um, they're going to have a great offense, which is the type of offense that Penn State traditionally defends very well. They will. They will give up an opening drive touchdown. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that's that's a, that's the sort of team that Tom Bradley usually reigns it in. Even when Michigan was really really bad during the first few years under Rodriguez, they would get a touchdown in the opening drive. Yeah, and Tom, every time. And Tom Bradley would rein it in, and that was pretty much it for the rest of the game. 
that's going to be a win. Um, I, I, I have very, very high confidence in that. And then it's home against Illinois. And, you know, we look back at that game last year and, and sort of look at Illinois' team. Okay, they had LaShore, and, and Shieldhouse is a very good player. He turned in, Actually, that was his first really good game uh, that we saw. At the same time, you have to remember that's the game that pretty much the entire Penn State defense was crippled by injury. Yeah. It didn't seem like there was a guy on that defense who wasn't limping off the field at some point. It, I mean, if that happens again, obviously, you know, nobody can control that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm fairly confident that Penn State has a better team playing at home than Illinois does. And that takes you to Nebraska. Possibly it's at 8-1. and one. At, yeah, that, at, that, at that point, who the hell knows if things go well, you know, assuming there's no, you know, catch. And it looks like there's a buy in between those two games as well. There is. October 29th is so. Illinois. November 12th is Nebraska. So it's two weeks to get ready for Nebraska at home before the last two games at Ohio State and at Wisconsin, which are obviously going to be tough. Um, any game at Ohio State is, is usually uh, a bad deal with three or six points on the board for Penn State. At Wisconsin, who knows? You know, Penn State has played relatively well there. Um, you know, and it's impossible to project what either team is going to look like on November 26th. Do you, which of these games do you see, which of the non-Big Four games do you see being a problem? Is it Iowa? That's a really that's a really good question. I, I think Iowa is the one that always sticks out because of recent history. But you know, I'm I'm not sure any of them stand out. I, I, I know that's the easy easy answer, but you know, Iowa is probably the best of the group, um, but maybe not. And you know, who knows who knows how Ference is going to reload with you know. It's it's all unknowns when when those guys get recruited and yeah it's it's new quarterback um, well McNutt's still there I believe but you know DJK is gone new defensive backs shaky offensive line a lot of those guys from the defensive line are gone I mean and that it, was the, really the anchor of what of what undid Penn State that's the thing line. yeah it, it's exactly right it's, it's which of these teams really on on the whole schedule have the guys on the defensive line that could take advantage of Penn State or have such a good offensive line that they could take advantage of what looks to be a relatively thin defensive line for Penn State. And um, I think that defensive line issue is going to be sort of the underlying major story aside from the quarterbacks for Penn State. If they lose Devin Still, um, or even Jordan Hill for that matter, that's going to really mess up the rotation because they really only have four guys at tackle. And and we still don't know what they have at defensive end. Yeah, but you know, I I find like last year the linebacking play was really terrible, the thing that rocked everyone's world. And I, you know, the secondary is going to be as good as it as it's ever been, mm-hmm. or you know, at least in recent memory. And so, I guess the way you attack an awesome secondary and a very good linebacking core is to run. Um, but you know, that kind of plays into Bradley's scheme where. He'll give you three, four, or five yards, but he knows you're going to throw it eventually. He knows that, you know, you're going to have a bad snap or someone's going to jump the line and, and get in it for a loss. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've they've been either been up front, but they they haven't broken. And, and where they really got just destroyed and frustratingly so before is is kind of you know Alabama gets through the line and then runs over the linebackers for a 15 or a 20 yard gain, and that stuff just can't happen. 
in Brad. No, and, and and hopefully that won't happen this year. God knows I'm still having flashbacks of Trent Richardson breaking nine tackles <laughs> on the same play, looking I mean, like that stiff uh, arm. In- you know, center linebacker. It's like the beast mode run that uh, Marshawn Lynch made in the playoffs last year. <laughs> Every play looked like that for Alabama, it seemed. Yeah, um, it was it was bowling ball stuff. Which of the four big games could you see Penn State winning? Um, so, uh, you know, compared to the general consensus, I think Nebraska is probably the the most winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really see them standing out in a way that everyone expects them to. I think... Um, just conversely, I think Ohio State is probably the opposite of that. People think Ohio State will be beatable. I think Ohio State will be very good. But am I being way too optimistic about that? Who's who's really the the winnable one in there? I think it's Nebraska. Um, I am not counting us out against Alabama. And the reason I say that is because they have a new quarterback. They don't have a, a, any more of a settled quarterback situation than we do. Um and it's you know it's it's a game that they haven't played in a long time, a big non-conference game away from home. You know, I, I think somebody posted on on BSD today that the last time they did that was they went to play Oklahoma when Oklahoma was ranked number one. I could see things getting slightly weird in that game, but it really is going to depend on not turning the ball over against that defense. That's going to be the Penn State Ohio State game essentially where it's just going to be punt, 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 and hope for something good to happen. It's going to be one of those, hopefully, if Penn State's going to win it, it's going to be one of those 13 to 10 games. Yeah, that, that's probably, I could see that happening. I know last year was the other story. It was, they were writing articles in Alabama saying this might have been the, the greatest Alabama offense of all time, mm-hmm. which um, they had the tools, obviously. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily make a great offense, but. Um, interesting that we both left Wisconsin off. I think they're uh, they're quietly favored in a lot of ways. Still, they are, and I think they're well positioned to take advantage of what Penn State um, has as weaknesses, and that's uh, insufficient depth on the offensive line. And still, I mean, and again, we don't know what Penn State's going to look like in November, but a questionable offensive line, nonetheless. So we'll see. Um, what do you think for Penn State, at least, is the um, under-the-radar weakness? Hmm, that, that is a good question. I, I think it's probably I – know, I know Stephon Green came back, um, as we saw this week, but I, I wonder if depth at running back becomes an issue. Um, it's interesting because you know, Beecham is coming off an injury. Yeah, and and you know we've always we've always rotated guys in there. And when I say always, I, I say almost always. I guess uh, Royster ran a lot, and, and obviously Larry Johnson ran a lot. Um, but I, I just wonder if we have kind of the the experience. And and the other thing is when you've got two young guys that that we both know are very good, and all of a sudden they're trying to make plays every run. That's really where we saw some turnovers, and you know maybe some some reaching when, when generally you should just kind of put your, put your forehead down and, and go into the line. Um, that I could see, I could see being an issue in, in terms of underratedness, but I'm with you on the defensive line. I think that's the, the obvious one. The thing that I think nobody is talking about is the place kicker situation. Ah, no one is talking about that. And that is dicey. It, dicey as hell. And we're <laughs> talking about a, a true freshman named Sam Thicken 
which I'm going to love having him. I'm, I'm going to love having that name around for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Ficken. Uh, apparently, Anthony Farah is going to be suspended for a few games. Also, I mean, you might as well throw in the puncher situation as well um, with uh, uh, Alex Butterworth. Who's <laughs> another name I'm going to enjoy? Butterworth and Ficken. God, it's like a bad sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> But they're gonna be, they're gonna have the responsibilities for it seems at least the first two games, and that includes Alabama, of course. So I don't know why I'm 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 thinking we're gonna be kicking field goals successfully against Alabama. <laughs> um, but th- that's gonna be a problem if if uh, that doesn't get settled, because it, it, this doesn't seem like a in, in a season in which they're going to probably win seven or eight games by a comfortable margin. And I think we're in agreement on that. Um, beating Nebraska, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Alabama is not going to be easy if special teams are a net loss. Because it's not yeah, like Penn, and Penn State's offense isn't good enough to make up for that. Their defense might be by the end of the year. but Yeah, and yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, we, you know, we've seen the Ohio State 2000 nine game comes to mind where, you know, one or two really bad punts can Mm -hmm. totally set the tone in one of these kind of slugfest games you're talking about where all of a sudden your defense is playing great, your offense is getting 20 yards and punting, but, you know, you give up 40 yards on a a bad punt or or you miss a 30-yard field goal and give up all that field position. So I I think that's certainly something to keep in mind. Hopefully settled, though, by, you know, by mid-November, but we'll see. All right, the old gun-to-your-head question. How do they finish? What's the record? And who do they I'm gonna, who do they lose to? I'm gonna go with. I mean, I this is this is just kind of how I how I line them up. But I, I think eight and four with with those four losses: Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. I think I think that's it. Um, I just don't see them losing, or even really, you know, it, it'll be close and com- comfortably close, maybe, but. I just don't see any of those other teams being being good enough to to beat this team that really has solidified kind of you know to their strengths the offensive line and, and the non defensive line defense. I'm also going eight and four. I'm going to say a win against Nebraska and a loss against Iowa. Uh, you you love that that sorry curse, huh? I, I can't deny history, and for whatever reason, Kirk Ferentz always gets that team up to beat Penn State. Even when they're bad, even when Penn State has a clear advantage, and I don't think Penn State has that clear of an advantage over Iowa in terms of talent or just overall team preparation and performance. And um, they might be worse for all for all we know, as as far well, as that's this, that's the other thing. I mean, I, I, th- there's a distinct possibility, I, I guess, that Penn State might not, might be a, a seven and five quality. It, put it this way: when I look at this team. It, it basically seems like an eight and four team, even if you to- didn't tell me who the opponents were. Just just based on a broad history of who Penn State usually plays, not knowing anything about those particular opponents in this particular year, it seems like an eight and four team to me. Yeah, and they normally Alabama is not normally that place on the schedule is not normally. No, and that, that's that's true too. That's true too. I think the potential is there. I will say this. I think the potential is there for a very, very good season. Um, if the offensive line gets, you know, comes together, if the quarterback situation gets settled, I mean, those those are pretty much the two remaining. And nobody on the def- defensive line has any horrible 
catastrophic injuries. Granted, when you're saying if this, if this, if this, <laughs> yeah, if we it, don't turn over the ball and and don't yeah. lose a single player to injury. Yeah, then then great. We could go nine and nine and three. I I can see a high ceiling for this team. I can. Um, the schedule is is difficult, especially at the end of the year. But I can see a ten and two season. I can see that happening. I can see a win at Nebraska or a win against Nebraska. I can see sort of a backdoor way to win against Alabama or even one of those last two games. And I, the rest of the schedule doesn't really scare me that much. No, not not at all. It really doesn't. The Iowa game, of course, just by history, and the Northwestern game is tricky on the road, but the rest of it's crap. You know, there's yep. there's no excuse for this team to lose at least six of those games. Yeah, that's that's really where the wheels fall off too. If they if they can't get it together for those mediocre games, it's yeah. really going to make the end of the season look like very uncomfortable, unpleasurable. Yeah, if they manage to lose, weeks. if they manage to lose against Iowa and Northwestern, I um, it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, burning shit in the streets time. I don't think they will. I I. I I can see this, the season progressing, like you said, just losing the big four games and winning the eight that they should. Well, I also yeah. want to give us—I want to give us credit for for not saying we were going to win eight games and and then saying that six and six was the end result of, of that. Uh, yes, we haven't those. we haven't done Patriot news math. Not that I'm not above bad math errors and, and stupid typos, but um, just glad we put the necessary legwork into adding that stuff up for this podcast. Yes. Oh, math is hard. Let's go make cookies for the boys. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, it's uh, it's uh, wonderful to talk to you again, my friend. And uh, same. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how this thing shakes out, and hopefully it'll be a, a BCS run. If not, hopefully it'll be a January first bull run. And if not, I will uh, meet you in the streets with a couch and maybe a big uh, cast iron garbage cans so we can uh, burn stuff as necessary. Yeah, pitchforks also. Pitchforks and torches for my people. (laughs) Alright, see you later. Bye.